and welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am Matt Wells. What? Matt Wells. I am here who, who for the mod you? squad who listens regularly. I missed you. For the new people who are listening right now and going, who the heck is this guy and why is he yelling at me? Um, we love you too. Keep listening. And uh, yes, it, it's true. My co-hosts here have finally quit being cheap and they paid the ransom and the kidnappers have returned me. And and I'm back on the show. To be to so, be fair, to be fair, Matt, so, we, we thank you for finally scrounging the ten cents to have me release. I mentioned last week they returned the money. <laughs> the, <laughs> paid you to take me back. I get it. I got it. I got it. We That's switched good. a ringer for a ringer, dude. It's a big Lebowski joke, which Matt hasn't seen. I still haven't seen it. <laughs> Anywho, I was anyway. kidding. I didn't have the opportunity to watch us. I was kidnapped. I was tortured. They you pepper dragon. sprayed me in the face. It was a, it was an awful experience, but I'm back. Maybe uh, maybe you should share with the listeners what it's like to be pepper sprayed because it may very well happen to lot. Well, that's tear gas. Never mind. But anyway, if, if you're listening oh, to no. us, people are being pepper sprayed. Will be pepper sprayed at some point in your life. Um, so here's what it feels like. Go take a bucket of gasoline, dip your head in it, light it on fire, and congratulations, you feel like you've been pepper sprayed. <laughs> oh, that's about what I imagine. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's it's good times, and by good times I mean not at all. So it's not I like wonder, spraying a bottle of Axe in someone's face. It's just yeah. I wonder if there's any audio from the videos that the class took that would actually like you could hear on this. I wonder yeah. if you can hear any of it. Hear you scream like a girl. Yeah, <laughs> you could probably hear. The only thing you can probably hear from me is when they try to come up and talk to me. Okay, here it comes. How's it going? How's it going? Uh, it's terrible. How's it going? Did you like it? Did you yeah, like it? Did you like it? Yeah, it was great. Here it is. I'm next. Right. Oh, is it? Uh, uh, here it is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Nope. 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 Here I am. No, I can't talk. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. <laughs> the image that goes with that is here. Let me show Father, Father Chuck here. <laughs> he's like he's got his hand like he's like physically holding his I'm eyes forcing open. my eyes open oh my so gosh. that they will air out i'm holding them like pretending to look through binoculars and forcing my eyes open as wide as they would go wow and round in circles and if you listen very closely that huh that was me too yes, that's, <laughs> that's me. i was dying yes oh well we we're, we're glad you're back buddy <laughs> Good to be back. Oh, and for those of you who don't listen regularly, I'm in the police academy. Pepper spraying was actually on purpose and part of it. Right. Um, yeah, he wasn't like he wasn't like peacefully protesting like a college or something. Yeah. Or anything wrong that required being why why peaceful? Maybe I was biting somebody and they pepper sprayed me. I'm a tough guy. Come on, give me some credit. That's pretty funny. I mean, not funny. I mean, it's. I mean, your pain is sometimes funny. Um, I'm so glad it's funny for you. You know, he's he's sort of the Jordy LaForge of our show. <laughs> why, why? Why is that? Yes, I'm waiting for the why. Because Jordy is like always getting hurt on Next Generation. Is he? I don't. I'm not familiar. There's always something happening to Jordy. That's too deep a cut, man. And it's like like long. on your thumb. Uh, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you said that was a setup. Know, I, that should be a hit for me as well because I kind of suffered during that too. So it's. <laughs> Yes, I felt so bad for your pain of feeling nauseous when seeing me bleed out, Listen, bleed out it was, in the middle of the house. It, it was really gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I bruised my ribs. 
that was fun. So how, how did you do that, Matt? That um, um, unofficially, um, somebody may have fallen on them while doing a defensive tactics move. Officially, I don't know how it happened. <laughs> um, so it, yeah. So I bruised my ribs. So Doesn't that's good time. No. It's two weeks later, and I can still barely breathe. So if I like were to punch, I you right would now? kill you. Okay. <laughs> probably, I'd probably pepper spray you, which, in my opinion, is deadly force. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. Well. So I'm JP, your moderator. Uh, Matt, thank you and, for that. And you don't know what to do after that, do you? No, you, know, you don't know where to go. I'm, I'm not even going to do it. I'm just going to be like, you know, you know who I am. And came out of the gate. You know screaming. where you are. You know where you are. We hope. Uh, so yeah, Matt, welcome back. You kind well, of look good. like Moby right now. He does come like Moby. <laughs> He's like thick rimmed glasses. You've got your, you know, you got your cop cop haircut. With and that. by that you mean I have no hair right now? Yeah. And you're on on your end it looks like I'm bald. Yeah, a little bit. And you you kind of with the with the headphones you kind of resemble Moby a little bit. You need the glasses, but you're almost there. Yeah, that so, does it. <laughs> totally Moby. Yeah. So, fellas, Chuck and I talk a lot about how we want to talk about things um that are kind of specific to what we call the Christian subculture. Yeah, so you and Chuck talk a lot without me for the last month. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be interesting. i got to address two people now. That's, okay. Right. I'm here to interrupt your train of thought. <laughs> um, and, and one thing within the Christian subculture, you know, we've talked about, like, the satanic panic. We've talked about some of the uh, left behind stuff, like the Thief of the Night. We've talked about, you know, the apocalypse. Uh, in the early 2000s, and I'm saying this because if, if you're not, like, an evangelical Christian, uh, back in the year 2000s, you probably don't know about this. You may have heard about it. Um, but there was a book that was released called The Prayer of Yabez. Wait. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I got to interrupt. Okay. Yabez? Is it Yabez or is it Jabez? I always heard it as Jabez, it's, it's but I didn't Jabez. know if like... You... I thought you were making a joke. <laughs> I mean, to be to be Wait. fair, in Hebrew, there is no like soft J sound. Mm -hmm. So it would be Yabez. It would be Yabez yes, in be. Hebrew. But let's not be fair about this book. Let's start with okay. that. Carry on. <laughs> I just didn't know. I, I, the reason I'm asking is I, I just didn't know if JP had like grew up with like a different pronunciation. You know, like, I've you heard... know, how, like some people say pop instead of, you know, soda. Mm -hmm. I thought maybe like he grew up in a world where they called it Yabez. To be fair, th this book makes mine look like an epic. It's true. <laughs> it really <laughs> does. I don't know how you're not selling out, Matt. Um, so yeah, well, yeah, I, I call it Yabez. I heard it pronounced as Jabez, but then I heard someone say Yabez, and I'm like, that actually sounds more like something out of the Bible than what. <laughs> well, yeah, wait, wait. This book's out of the Bible. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, so back in the 2000s, there's a popular book called Prayer Yabez. It was uh, or Jabez, whatever, written by this guy Bruce Bruce Dickinson. Wilkinson. Uh, Wilkinson. Wilkinson. <laughs> not not the Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> and it sounds like it sounds like something out of the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you wrote this book, and it was hugely popular. Huge. You're unbelievable huge. Unbelievably. Uh, you've never huge. seen a book as big as this one. It's a huge, huge book. I mean, there was Prayer of Jabez, like everything. Yeah. Neckties, bracelets, um, you know, I think someone even made like a joke, like prayer of Jabez toilet paper. 
I have an urge. I'm sorry. I'm I'm just going with it. I, I have an urge to throw this. Something about the size of it. Yeah. I want to throw it like it's a ninja star. Throwable. Yeah. Let's see, I want to see if I can like stick it in the wall. But why are you trying to take your book back? Do you afraid I'm going to throw it? <laughs> well, first of all, it's not mine. It's from my church's library. You've got like 94 tabs. Yeah, that's. A, <laughs> I, I can't wait. A photo. I got to post a photo on Instagram of all of Jeez. the notes that I've yeah, of all of my note tabs. It's unbelievable. And I'm just going to be full disclosure. I haven't read it, um, and you have studied this thing, and you're ready to go. <laughs> I don't know why I studied it so much as I highlighted areas of the book that I thought were cringeworthy. Some where I thought he made some decent points, but got him wrong. Some that are like egregiously offensive. JP, it's color coded. JP, all his tab. It's it's like it's like a double rainbow. I know. I love it. It's, like, it's, it's almost a triple rainbow. It's so great. Okay, so what I thought I would do, I actually found a great article written about this book and and the phenomenon that it sparked. And uh, with your guys' permission, I would like to read it to you. It's not very long. Is that all right? That's that is right. That is all right. I should say. All right. So this article is written by Tim. Chalies from his website called Chalies.com. Either is either in the middle of a series or he has done a series called The Best Sellers, where he's he talks about different uh best-selling Christian books. And among those titles are books like I Kiss Dating Goodbye, uh Blue Lake Jazz, uh The Shack, 90 Minutes in Heaven, The Purpose Driven Life. Uh so this is his article. Uh we're totally using it <laughs> for this for the the spine of this episode. So thank you, uh, Tim Challies. Uh, props. Also, he's a Calvinist. Yep. <laughs> Please don't listen to previous episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so Bruce Wilkinson earned advanced theological degrees at several Christian seminaries and for a time served as a professor at Moulton, Multnomah Bible College in Portland, Oregon. Uh, in 1976, he began Walk Through the Bible, a worldwide ministry that provides seminars and conferences to teach biblical doctrine. He remained at the helm from 1976 until 2003 when he was succeeded by Chip Ingram. In 2000, Wilkins teamed up with Multnomah Publishers to release The Prayer of Yabez, or Prayer of Jabez, however you want to pronounce it, Breaking Through to the Blessed Life. And almost from the moment of release, it left an indelible mark on Christian publishing. The book is based on two verses from 1 Chronicles 4. Uh, Yabez was more honorable than his brother's. And his mother called his name Yabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Yabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm so that it may not bring me pain. And God granted him what he asked. In the introduction, Wilkinson, sa Wilkinson says, I want to teach you how to pray a daring prayer that God always answers. It is brief, only one sentence with four parts and tucked away in the Bible, but I believe it contains the key to a life of extraordinary favor with God. This petition has radically changed what I expect from God and what I experience every day by his power. The first chapter begins with these words. The little book you're holding is about what happens when ordinary Christians decide to reach for an extraordinary life, which, as it turns out, is exactly the kind of kind God promises. Moving to biography, he tells how 30 years earlier he had discovered that small prayer spoken to Yabez and had prayed it on a daily basis ever since. In the pages of this little book, I want to introduce you to the amazing truths in Yabez's prayer for blessing and prepare you to expect God's astounding answers as a regular part of your life experience. How does that sound so far? 
I see Matt burying his face in his hands. Um, <laughs> it's like he got pepper sprayed again. <laughs> it's like he got pepper sprayed pepper in his sprayed, mind. Yeah, I was going to say in the brain. <laughs> um, you know, it's I. So I read the I read this yeah. yesterday today. Like I took. Um, it took you that long. I mean, I I, I got bored with it. <laughs> um, but it's. Uh, it's it, it's a really short book. Like I mean, it's it's really short. It's eighty, uh, two by three pages. <laughs> it's it's seriously it's 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 like it's eighty 90, note cards. It's ninety two pages, but the font is like it's like eleven point font. Oh no! It's and the book that. is like it's like twenty point font on a three by five. Card. Seriously, like a five inch by three inch book. I mean, did the I thing just is, say that three by five? Card. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. All but right. like. Anyway, I don't know if we, do you want me to say more, JP. I mean, I mean, I, mean, I just, I, I just thought we could kind of riff throughout the article, so I'm not just like reading the whole thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, right. if you have any comments you want to interject, this, just for like a, this, a bro, this article's already twice as long as a book. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a so I've got a friend. Um, I got a friend that I work with. Um, he refers to this book as toilet theology. <laughs> okay, I, I I can see where he gets it. He calls it that because he says – read it while you're on the toilet? Yep, three dumps and you're done with the book. Yeah. Um, it's, um, it, it, it's, it's, it's something. Yeah. I'd never read it growing up. It was – I mean, again, I knew it was everywhere. And I had pastors at my church, people I respected who were kind of into the book. Um, some of us refer to it as the cult of Jabez. <laughs> yeah. um, and because, I mean, there were, there were people totally convinced by okay. this thing. According to Amazon, it is four by eight by six. It's, so it's a almost a five by seven. So four point eight. It's four point eight by six by six, and it's, and it's a half point, inch thick. Point wow. five, and that include and it's a hard that is cover. Not, that is not half an inch. No, that's what it says. It's four. These these are these dimensions are lies. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm getting a ruler. I'm Just getting a ruler. So, so so I never read it growing up, so I was kind of curious. I mean, because I. I I kind of felt even as a kid when it Seriously, came out. While you're talking, I'm getting a roller. <laughs> Keep talking. So like when I was growing up as a kid and like was aware of it, even I, I once I kind of like went to the Christian bookstore and saw it on the shelf, I was already kind of like, well, this is kind of BS, right? I mean, yeah. it's it's Still. one verse in the Bible. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you've got like an entire like marketing wing associated with this. Like it just seemed kind of even, yeah. I mean, and in 2000, I was like super Baptist. So like. I should have been like all in on this, but I yeah. was already kind of like, no. So through the book, he teaches Christians that if they repeat Yabez's prayer and make it an integral part of their devotional life, they will experience God's favor in new and remarkable ways. Oh, can we can we agree on a pronunciation here? <laughs> it's Jabez. Are we going to say Jabez? Yes, we're going to say Jabez. Okay. I like Yabez. It made me sound I know. Like seminarian. Okay. But I, here's the thing. I, it, 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 is, it is correct. It is four and a half. He is obsessing over the, the measurements. <laughs> it is four and a half by six and a half to be exact, and it is not half an inch. It's like it's what? like almost it's half like, an inch. No, it's like a third. From now on, whenever we talk about a book, we need to measure it exactly. I'm measuring it with the ruler. Amazon lies, people. <laughs> they round up, lies. man. Home Depot. Home Depot rounds up on their wood. They round anyway. up to six by six. What I mean, six point six. What is okay. that? You want me to call so, it Jabez? Jabez. Yes, okay, because fine. that's what everyone calls of the world calls it. Right. Yes. Even I though I agree, Yabez sounds better, and it's more accurate to the Hebrew. <laughs> even though it'd be Yabates. Like, I just like feel a, like so. 
like Iluvata instead of Iluvatar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know how I feel about that kind of stuff. Whatever. So he says, Wilkinson says, I challenge you to make the Jabez prayer for blessing part of the daily fabric of your life. To do that, I encourage you to follow unwavering the plan outlined here for the next 30 days. By the end of that time, you'll be noticing significant changes in your life, and the prayer will be on its way to becoming treasured lifelong habit. The rest of the book simply teaches Wilkinson's interpretations. Uh, the rest of the book simply teaches Wilkinson's interpretations of the prayer and his guidance on praying it most effectively. Again, I have like a rainbow of, of tabs on this book. Um, I just The first thing that I marked, I just want to share this. What I have to share with you has been opening up lives to God's mighty working for many years. Recently, I was in Dallas to teach on the Jabez blessing to an audience of 9,000. Later over lunch, a man said to me, Bruce, I heard you preach the message of Jabez 15 years ago, and I haven't stopped praying it. The change has been so overwhelming, I just, I have just never stopped. Across the table, another friend agreed. He said he'd been praying Jabez's little prayer for 10 years with similar results. The man next to him, a heart surgeon from Indianapolis, said he had been praying it for five. I told them, friends, I've been praying Jabez for more than half my life. Okay? Wow. <laughs> like, but can I ask you a question? Sure. Does he ever say what the impact is? No, that's the. Th- well, I mean, realize, kind of. Do you realize like four people he, just said it's impacted, but nobody said how. He has sort of like a like a. I mean, he says it'll make you a a, a like what like, uh, the whole point yeah, of it is to expand your territory. To right. be blessed, to experience. So it's all about huge tracts of land. Yes. Yes and yeah, yes and no. That is what everyone wants it to be, and that is why everyone bought it. I'm sure. But he says in the Bible, it was, it's it's kind of uh, not in the Bible. <laughs> he says in the book um, that the whole point of it is just to uh, uh, to be blessed, and it's like whatever it is that draws you closer to God, and what how God can use you to evangelize to other people. But let's be real. This is about getting a BMW. This is about getting a house. This is about becoming a millionaire for Christ. Well, that's, so that's, that's where the things get like wonky for me. Cause like reading it, I'm, I'm listening to what he's saying, or I'm looking at what he's saying and I'm, and I, and I feel like he, I, the, what he kind of gets to at the end, like the sort of the end of his statement about, you know, that basically as a person of faith, you should want nothing more than to just accept God's blessings, and he and he makes a point of saying that God's blessing is more than just like material goods. It's not. It's not. Or it, it, it isn't even material goods. It's, you know, sort of accepting God on God's terms, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And and I and, and I agree with that. Like I, I can't disagree that he's this great little line where it's talking. You're right here. It says um, I marked it. It says um, it's about like jumping into the. It says at the moment you'll begin to let the uh, loving currents of God's grace and power carry you along. Like I'm on board. Like that's yeah, I'm fine with that. That's awesome. Like it's right. But... I, that's that's not disagreeable. But my, where my issue is is the approach that he takes to get to that, okay. and that to me wonks the whole thing up. It sounds like a lot of the concepts that you're talking about, the things I've heard about the book in the past. Because like I said, I never read it, mainly because everything I heard about it just annoyed me. Not because what he says is necessarily bad or even wrong, but what the heck does it have to do with a one verse he pulls completely out of nowhere out of the Bible? Because like, how does he get to all this from that, those two verses? Well, because it's just some, some, some you dude. You have to read the book. Now. 
Yeah, but no, <laughs> I shouldn't have to read the book. I mean, it's in First Chronicles, people. Look it up it's, yourself. It's, it's in the midst of a genealogy. It is in the midst of so and so begat, so and so begat, so and so begat. And probably posted it on Facebook somewhere. You and they that. begat so and so. And then there was Jabez, and he prayed this, and God gave it to him, and he right. begat so and so who begat so and so. And I sort of feel like when I when I feel like in the Bible when I when reading the passage, it's like. It's these little asides that pop up off of the genealogies, and it's like, okay, so at this section, the chronicler um, is writing about the tri- the tribe of Judah, and he's talking about the kids, the children of Perez, and says something to the effect of, it's like, you know, to the person we got into, and then it was like, and then Jabez was this, and he asked God to expand his borders, and God gave it to him. Like, it seems to me like what the chronicler is trying to say is like, yeah, if you're wondering why the tribe of Judah has more territory than the other tribes, it goes back to this guy, Jabez. Like, it doesn't mm. seem to me that it's like no, unlocking no, God's blessings no, or anything. It's I'm, just like no, it's it's a, what, it's an anecdote. No, that's what I mean. Like to to take that verse and build an entire life philosophy around this guy's prayer, to me, just seems like such a. It's almost like a Bible code kind of move. Yeah, totally. Like, like look, I just found this verse, guys, and it's the secret to life. There's no context to it. Purposefully, the guy, the guy writing the book, purpo- oh. not not that book, the book of the Bible, the author of the book of Chronicles, yeah, the Chronicler, did not feel necessary to give you the context of this verse, other than here's how, here's where their territory got bigger. I don't know if you marked it, Chuck, but there is a part where it, it kind of also kind of comes down how you view the authorship of the Bible, because you guys are talking about the, the Chronicler put this in there and why he put it in there. He does specifically ask at the beginning of the book, why does God write in the Bible? Oh, right, right. Yeah, that see, that bothers me. I 100 percent and I'm sure Father Chuck will give his opinion on this, too. I 100 percent believe in the the inspiration of the Bible. I believe that the Bible is in uh it's infallible in, in what we're given and what it is meant to express and carry out. Um, however, God used authors to write the Bible. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't people who sat down at, at a, at a scroll or a piece of parchment and took out whatever writing utensil they had back then. Cause I suck at history class and went into some trance and wrote these words like while passed out it's like, like, it's and like woke the, it's up like, and the book is it's not there. like Mormonism. It's not like, um, yeah. It, it, or like God himself reached down from heaven and wrote it like in fire while somebody watched. I don't know, man. I saw it, the movie he used, that's, that, that's what I mean though. <laughs> he used, he used authors who are human, who have very specific writing styles, very specific intent with how and why they're writing the things they're writing. And I believe that the inspiration of scripture is that God moved through that so that it's, it's perfectly placed together the way it was meant to be, but he used authors. Well, and then there's the other added piece to it that that people don't talk about enough. I don't think is the fact that later, like the church got together and decided this book belongs, this one doesn't. Right. And, you know, and there was sort of a sense of, and, and one of the, the leading factors was, are a lot of people reading it? If a lot of people are reading it, then we might as well include it as the Bible. I mean, you know, so there's, there's this sense that, you know, it was written sort of by the church. Or it's like, it was by us for us. You know, it was, like it was written by people of faith for the people of faith. And we made a determination of what was worth keeping and what was not as important. And, Getting to the heart of the matter, and what Matt's pointing out, is like this inclusion is again, it's anecdotal. It's meant mm-hmm. to be it's 
it's a, it's just a bit of documentation. It's kind of like it's kind of like I'm writing. This is the way I see it. It's kind of like I'm writing a history book, and I'm hit a point where I need to write a genealogy, and I'm just saying, all right, well, um, you know, my grandparents begat my parents, Mike and Jenny Wells, who begat Matthew, Mikey, and Melissa Wells. And then I find something interesting, and I'm like, and Mikey was the one who bought the house that we lived in for the next 30 years. And he begat so yeah. Like, that's what it's like. Like, and Jabez is where the land was expanded. And then we move on. Like, right. Like, it's just a thrown in like, oh, yeah. Interesting side note. Um, Right. And and to base. And like, I'm not saying that you can't look at this guy's prayer and go, oh, that's interesting that he included this prayer. That is a very like, like, God, God, increase my territory. Like, do, do this for me. Like it's not. I'm not saying it's a bad thing to stop and go. Oh, it's interesting that he included that, and it is a very strict. But to base a whole entire like life philosophy well, around. Well, that's the thing is that's what I'm saying. Like I don't necessarily agree with Wilkins. Disagree. I don't necessarily disagree with where sort of Wilkinson's kind of going with this mm-hmm. in the end. But I really disagree with his approach, and I feel like his approach ultimately impacts where he arrives. Right. You know, and. I mean, for me, it even goes bigger than just the Bible. It's just it's sort of an anthropology piece because he seems to be incapable of conceiving of a a Christian life that is not constant output. Right. Because like his whole thing is like pray for more ministry and God will give you more ministry. And it's like as though that's the only point like and, and for him, ministry is seeing conversions. Right. What and, about? And what so, like, about, that's like all we're supposed to do. What about the moments of finding God in the silence, or finding God in 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 the moments when nothing's happening? I mean, he like, kind of beats around that a little bit, but it's like that's all that's all part of equipping you to do stuff for later. Like, like your primary mode of life is to be. It's a holdover to make you do more. Yeah. Can you talk some chuck about uh, the blessings that are that are in heaven? Oh, gosh. This is the part where the theology for me starts getting just egregious. Um, he says, all right, so tells this story about this guy who dies and goes to heaven. And he's so excited to be there. And Peter's giving him the tour. And there's this one see, structure that he wants to go into. But see, before you get into this deep thing, I'm just fascinated how, how you go from how you go from a one verse prayer in the Bible to a story about a guy who dies from heaven and is talking well, to Matt, people. Yeah, the, yeah. Like, it, it I ties know, in. I don't it, want to read this book. But it's, it ties not. in. It ties in. It's it serves. Yeah, it's, it's, it's totally, he's talking about this chapter's about blessings. Right. So so he's using it as an illustration, right? So um, it's so it's, so it's, anyway, it's um, guy gets to heaven. Uh, there's a room that um, Peter's like, don't worry about going in there, and the guy's like, no, I want to go in. And he's bothered by the fact that there's like secrets in heaven. So finally, Peter relents and lets him in. And it's first act problems right away. Because that's um, how it works, guys. Yeah, and yeah, he says, it it says there's a room full of boxes, and he says they all have names on him. And so he goes running for his name to find his box, and it says Peter follows, shaking his head. He catches up with Mr. Jones just as he is slipping the red ribbon off his box and popping the lid. Looking inside, Jones has a moment of instant recognition and lets out a deep sigh like the ones Peter has heard so many times before. Because there, in Mr. Jones's white box, are all the blessings that God wanted to give him while he was on earth, but Mr. Jones had never asked. So, This is like a great sci-fi concept, if you ask me. Right. So it's like – so he has this idea that there's like these – so 
this idea that, that there are there are blessings. There are basically, you know, blessings are like sort of like a bank closing down, and you have those unclaimed like accounts that they like reach out try to get you no, to come it's again. Like, it's like, like I have a closet full of toys for my kids, and yeah. if they ever ask for it, I'll give it to them. But if they don't, but here's so they'll find that. Box so it's goofy, and it's it's like uh, whatever. But here's where it gets egregious. God's bounty is limited only by us. Not by his resources, wow. power, or willingness to give. Wow. Oh my gosh. What a horrible low view of God. Wow. Because that sentence is wow. Because like John Calvin wants to come out of the grave and smack this dude around. <laughs> God's because bounty is limited only by us. Well, I mean, because like step one, like like theology 101, as Matt knows, even you would know, JP, is like what, like, you know, God is utterly impassable, meaning that he can't be affected by us. Oh no, right. he's limited by us. But read, this, read the book. <laughs> <laughs> but this guy's saying he's God is limited by us. That's yeah. that's that's that is that is literal that's like that's insane about it's insane. It's just ah to, like to quote war to quote war machine, that is dangerously arrogant. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's this. I was watching Civil War with Bond before I came here. Oh, okay. The America Civil War. Gotcha. But it's like, it's like the idea that like somehow we human beings can limit God, mm-hmm. and like that's oh uh, that's crazy. Now, I mean, now to to lay my bond my my feel, and I know we talked about this before. To lay my theology out on the table, like I believe in a, I have a very a very high view of God's sovereignty in the sense that. God gets what God wants. Okay. And I believe that that goes all the way to the afterlife and that ultimately everyone is saved. Like, I believe that. I don't, I believe that one day hell, if, if there is a hell, one day it will be completely empty. Like, I believe that. Because for that not to happen would mean that God doesn't get what God's want, God wants. Right. And that there's something, and, 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 and that, that, that somehow... I have more power than God because I can keep God from getting what God wants because of whatever. And like, but all of that comes to this from, for me, again, going back to this conversation about anthropology, like a theological anthropology is the sense that like Bruce Wilkinson in this book makes humans necessary for God. And it ties back into stuff that I don't know, JP and Matt, if you guys heard this kind of stuff growing up, but like this idea that like God created humans because God was lonely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Which is horrific. <laughs> is a horrific way of thinking because that that makes us necessary. And the thing is, is I think one of the most important things for us humans to understand and to properly understand our own human nature is that we are completely arbitrary to God. God does not need us. We were created as peripheral to Him. We are created for His delight and His pleasure. Um, and that, and that once we kind of wrap our heads around that, that that's actually really liberating and freeing because it's not about us anymore. We're not in the center of creation and we're not the ones who have to solve all the problems and save the world. And that for me, the Christian vision of life is the illustration I came up with today is trying to think about this is, um, two years ago, my wife and I went to Key West for the first time. You guys ever been to Key West? No, never. Yes. Okay. You, you might have you been? Yes. Okay. Have you been to Mallory Square? Uh, I don't know. What is that? Okay. Mallory Square is the big square in Key West um, where it's like it's, it's sort of like a town square. And it's where like all these like different performers do stuff. It's where Jimmy Buffett kind of got his start playing music there. But there's like all kinds of weird people doing stuff like, you know, people doing like, um, you know, fire breathing and like crazy gymnastics stuff and juggling like, like chainsaws and crazy craziness. So I was thinking about this today and it's like 
All right. If we think of creation as like a performance art, you know, God created an audience. That's what we are. Humans, we're, audi- we're an audience. And God is doing this performance thing in front of us. God's going to do that regardless if we're paying attention or not, because that's what God does. But if we're not paying attention, we're missing out on something really awesome. And what what happens is, is we tend to get distracted with other things like, you know, the same way that like a teenager might start like, you know, t- texting on their phone instead of watching, you know, the dude juggle chainsaws and, and cats on fire and stuff. You know, the Christian, the, the work of the Christian is to nudge people along and say, hey, mate, look, you're missing out on this really cool thing. So to me, it's it's that if we don't if we're not paying attention to what God's doing, like we just miss out on it. Right. And. As a Christian, like I want people to like not miss anything. Like that's the goal is for everybody to not miss anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and you know, and that means that you know that means we start seeing the world the way that God created intended the world to be. See each other in the way that God created us to be made. You know, so we you know we affirm each other and all this stuff. And 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 so this idea that like rooted in the, what kind of Wilkinson's coming from is this idea that like Earth is not our home, Heaven's our real home, and so we're sort of here with a mission. That's the only reason we're here because that's the only way this makes any sense. Right. Because if like heaven's our true home, then why doesn't God just kill us as soon as we get saved? Or why don't we kill ourselves as soon as we get saved? Or why don't we just get raptured as soon as we get saved? Right. Well, and the, well, the only logical conclusion to that, right, JP is, well, then God has a job for us to do. And so we start thinking in those terms, but if it's not a job, but if it's rather about, well, no, it's all about the kingdom of God coming to earth as the book of revelation is all about. Right about heaven coming to earth, then it's about affirming the goodness and the creation that God made and starting to live the vision of the world that God had for us. And, you know, and so it's not so much work as it is actually really truly being a human being on earth the way it's supposed to be for the first time. You know, we're, we're not salesmen. We're not recruiting agents. And like, and Wilkinson, another thing he talks about that really bugs me, and it brings, reading this brings back a lot of stuff from, from our past, um, is the language of warfare. I mean, he talks about like, we're leading a D-Day offensive against the devil at one point. You know, and I'm, yeah, and I'm reading that and I'm going. thinking, I'm reading that and I'm thinking, didn't Jesus do that? Like, isn't the central thing of the Christian faith that Jesus already defeated the devil? Why am I like supposed to be the one fighting him like i'm ill-equipped to do that for the first to begin with the second is why am i fighting someone who's already defeated but anyway i I, yeah i i I can go on (laughs) his stuff his stuff about about evil and temptation i want to talk about a little bit later so i'll take a pause you had something you wanted to say well i wanted to ask you guys uh you know he does bring up um at least in what i read i didn't read the whole thing because it got a little too you were saying that it was starting to get to you. Like you were starting to kind of like smell what he was stepping in. I was starting to like find comfort in it, I guess. Okay. Um, I don't know what that says about me, <laughs> but, but when he got to talking about students and how they were like, you know, the student who said that he wanted to talk to the governor of California and he ended up <laughs> just doing it. And then they made, they, they, they did operation Jabez. Yeah. So they so they they chartered a jet. I, I marked this passage. What was that? I marked this passage. Yeah, they chartered was... a jet to Trinidad. Chartered a jet. Look, I've been on mission trips. I never chartered a jet. <laughs> uh, yeah, you just you just, you just buy a plane ticket. Yeah, <laughs> and, so, and so things like that. Like I guess it, it it appealed to a certain side of me of like, you know, wanting <clears throat> to to do good in the world, and that 
this guy is saying like, well, if you just, you know, open your mind up to this concept, you're going to be able to do that kind of good. And it'll be in the coolest way possible, like chartering a jet. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's my materialistic side coming out. I don't know. But, well, and I think, and I think you're right. Like when you mentioned earlier in the, in the episode here that, you know, like maybe Wilkinson himself has pretty, you know, benign, you know, ideas with this book, but it definitely probably exploded. You can, if you want to start talking about the numbers, uh, yeah. it, I mean, it probably definitely exploded because, yeah, people took it as this is prosperity gospel. Yeah. Uh, the Prayer of Jabez was an immediate bestseller and, according to some sources, became the fastest selling book to that point in history. By 2001, the book had sold nearly 2 million copies and was awarded the Platinum Book Award. Now, that's 2001. I think he wrote in 2000. That's a year. Yeah, he wrote in 2000. Yeah. Um, he awarded the the, plat, the the Platinum Book Award, which is just one away from Double Murr, I hear. <laughs> um, a whole industry of peripheral products grew up around it, and many of them also earned awards. The Prayer of Jabez Devotional, the Prayer of Jabez for Teens, uh, which received the Gold Book Award that year. In 2003, the Prayer of Jabez for Kids and the Prayer of Jabez for Teens were both awarded the Platinum Book uh, award while the prayer of Jabez for women and the prayer of Jabez Bible study attained gold status in 2008. The prayer of Jabez crossed the 10 million threshold and received the diamond book award, putting it in the rarest of company. Only four it, other Christian books before or since have surpassed 10 million sold. It, it almost did as well as mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, how come yours, yours hasn't gotten full diamond? Matt, no, what's... I sold I sold ten copies since two thousand. <laughs> can I can I know this thing cost ten dollars when it first came out? Yeah. So ten million copies by ten dollars. Jeez, Louise, that's like eleven billion dollars. So yeah, so that you're you're about to get to that check. Why 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 so many copies? Why were people eating this up? Why was it just like like? He to George fair, Lucas to the whole thing. Well, to be fair, I'm willing to bet because like there were churches doing like studies and stuff with it. I'm willing to bet that a lot of it had to do with somebody read it and it was like all about it. And then they bought like a bajillion copies to like hand out to people or give for gifts and stuff. Cause it's like a stocking stuffer size book. That's true. But I mean, th- I mean other books, other people have done it with other books, especially up at that time. Haven't they? Like, that's true. So I mean, I'd be, curious, I'd be curious to see what like its numbers are in comparison to like chicken soup for the soul. Yeah, here's another book we should probably talk about. I would love to talk about. Um, I'm just going to bring it out for reference. Uh, uh, what was that? The the secret. <laughs> Matt's bringing. Matt's right. <laughs> I was just looking up. I was it, just looking up to see when that was written compared to. I, this I, book. I don't even. I know nothing about that book. Really? I don't. I've never. Oh, I never true. read it. But I know it's all about you put positive vibes out in the world, and that's what comes back. Oh, it's like the power of positive thinking. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Which is but, the theology um, of our president. But I was curious, like, when... Okay, that was released in 2006, I guess. Yeah. So quite a bit after that one, 2006. I just want to point out, while, while Matt's doing this little bit of research, um, this medallion on this copy of the book that I have says, um, the Evangelical Christian Public... Evangelical Christian Public Publishing of America, I don't know, ECPA, it says... In recognition of excellence in evangelical Christian literature. That's a very generous word for this. Literature. 
Again, 82 pages. So I ask again. Seriously, it's formatted exactly like a daily bread. Yeah. Those daily breads. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I I ask you guys again, why? Why was it so popular? And not just popular, but like it's swept, swept, swept the evangelical nation. I think it's because of this horrifying line in the preface. I want to teach you how to pray a daring prayer that God always answers. Oh. Um, It goes back to the Garden of Eden. The serpent gives a counter narrative to what God had said. And Adam and Eve chose that because it sounded better. We're getting getting harsh. (laughs) Um, It's idolatry. Right there. Bam. It's idolatry. And I think think what it is is that people – is the idea that we can pray a prayer that God always says yes to? I mean, there are books. There are books all over. You go to Barnes and Noble. If you want to see some direct, go to the Christian book section at Barnes and Noble. It's like a hundred prayers God always says yes to. Like this idea that like God's a dolphin and we're going to train him. <laughs> I mean, again, I I I I I'm, I'm, I hesitate to outright completely criticize. Well, I mean, I know there's more to that article, JP. That. Yeah, gives us a lot of room to criticize him, but I I want to I want to say that he has some very honest and good intentions behind what he's doing. It's how he does it. I think it's so how too. he does it that's a problem. And I think the way that this was definitely marketed to him, that's the way this was marketed. Oh yeah, I can't speaks to that kind of stuff in us. I, I you know I, while I was reading this. I started thinking about formulas, like literary formulas. Um, one of my favorite books is Searching for God Knows What by Donald Miller. Mm-hmm. And um, it's he opens that book talking about the formulas in Christian literature, in Christian book world. And he talks about like – because he, he opens up talking about how he goes to this writer's seminar where they talk about the formulas. And it's – and basically this book fits the formulas he talks about. Incidentally um, – um, and I hope he's a fan of the podcast, so I hope he forgives me for pointing this out. But incidentally, um, I noticed that there was um, almost an exact following of the formula to this book in um, with um, Velvet Elvis, um, Rob Bell's first book. Because I was reading um, the fourth chapter of this is when he starts talking about how, like, his ministry started, like, failing and he really needed to do stuff to kind of, like— you know, right. um, and and I was like, this sounds like I was like, there's that chapter in Velvet Elvis where Brad Bell talks about that. It's the, it's the fourth chapter also of Velvet Elvis. <laughs> but I was like, but I went to the end of Velvet Elvis, and the thing I love the the difference between this is Velvet Elvis doesn't end on the formulaic ending because it's not like, and then all my problems were solved. Um, Velvet Elvis ends with Rob Bell saying like, yeah, the church is a lot more complicated than we like to pretend that it is. Right. You know, and and God wants to do this new thing whereas this guy it's like if you pray this everything's going to be awesome for you so while the book met with enthusiastic reception among many christians it also met significant criticism (laughs) you think uh many (laughs) many believers expressed concern that wilkinson presumes upon god by saying that god promises to always answer this prayer is what you just said um it was also criticized for being an example of the uh, vain repetitions Jesus forbids in his most explicit teaching on prayer. In right sh- before Jesus teaches us a prayer. Sorry, that was a, that, <laughs> he's a Calvinist, and, and I know what he's going into. I'm sorry. <laughs> in short, the book contradicts what the Bible teaches and models in prayer. A review at Grace to You, which I guess is like a, a website, if you want to visit that. It's Canadian. I don't know why you would. Uh, highlights another area of concern. The book paints an inconsistent picture of the Christian life. Wilkinson asserts that pray, praying Jabez, 
Praying Jabez's prayer leads to a life of incredible blessing and ever-increasing ministry opportunities, a life that sounds almost like a fairy tale. However, little reference is ever made to the reality of genuine difficulties in life and the necessity of sincere prayer to face those difficulties in a God-honoring way. Uh, so... I have I have something to say right there. Yeah. Um, one of the things that he he so he has this weird part in the end because the prayer talks about like keeping him from evil, which of course um, echoes what Jesus teaches in the Lord's Prayer. Um, but he says, um, so he's got this rhetorical question toward the end of the book. Um, Wilkinson says, "Do you believe that a supernatural God is going to show up to keep you from evil and protect your spiritual investment?" Jabez did believe, and he acted on his belief. Thereafter, his life was spared from the grief and pain that evil brings. Again, how do we know that? We don't know. But um, so this seems to kind of ignore the fact that, um, I don't know, Jesus was scourged and crucified. Thereafter, his life was spared from the grief Grief and and pain pain that that evil brings. brings. Because it said, and God gave it to him. So— so effectively, like what? So, so, uh, so, so, in this logic, does it mean that Jesus just should have prayed the prayer of Jabez? And <laughs> like, I bet nobody has ever asked him that, Chuck. Because, like, that that that's the thing is, is like, we forget in the Christian faith that our story, like, the the the, the absolute heart of our story, begins really with the suffering death of our God. Yeah. And we're supposed to be willing to follow in that footstep. Right. You know, and we like to somehow think that God, like that's God's going to somehow like, Oh no, 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 no. That was just him. Like, uh, you know, it just seems to ignore huge swaths of, of what Jesus is talking about, but it also creates again, this troubling thing is like, did again, did Jesus just not, did, did Jesus just not like, um, um, oh, what's the, like, like, uh, defi- like claim, like claim protection or something. He didn't ask for a blessing, Chuck. He I'm didn't just, ask to be blessed Jab- indeed. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Maybe he was like 90 and he died. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I would be free from pain. I mean, he is. And the reason he's talking about that, now the thing, the, the thing that he does somewhat touch on here is that the word, the word um, J, for Jabez, his name, is related to the Hebrew word um, osep, which is um, the word for pain. Yeah, well, his mother, his mother named, named Jabez him because I gave birth to him in pain. Right, which could also, so his name could mean God causes pain. Hmm. And... So there is a little bit of a play on words thing there and knowing a little bit about the you know, Hebrew naming conventions. It's like – and that's where Wilkinson goes his whole thing about he wouldn't let his name define him. That's the other egregious thing in the book where that's he's like – That's issue too. Like yeah, yeah. Where it's like it's really just about you you getting to be the person that you want to be. Right. Which I, is like – I just found his, his reasoning is really funny because he's like, well – Every woman experiences pain when they give birth. So why did this particular woman name her son after the pain? Like maybe like she just out of all these women, she just really hated being pregnant. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe she was just really mad. Yeah, <laughs> or you know, it's 
People yeah. are different, Wilkinson. Even in the Bible. I name I name my my son Bond James. I mean, like people just are weird. What are you gonna? And because of that, Heather knows pain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna mace you later. I'm gonna um, spray. You just, well, just, one, other, one other thing. One other thing about the evil thing. I just wanted to point. I just, I just had is his logic. So he says that he says that if you're not being tempted, then that means that God's not working in you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But then he, but his whole book is about asking for this stuff and God will give it to you. Well, the prayer is deliver me from evil. If you're right. not being tempted, God's not working in you or, or not, not the, is that, yeah, because, because, uh, what's he say? Um, he says, um, the guy talking to is, um, his, the seminary professor is a student. It was a seminary student talking to a seminary professor. Um, student says, when I first came here to seminary, I was so tempted and tested I could barely keep my head above water. But now, praise God, my life at seminary is smoothed out. I'm not being tempted hardly at all. But Hendricks, who's the, 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 the professor, looked deeply alarmed, not the reaction the student was expecting. He said, that's about the worst thing I could have heard, he told the surprised senior. That shows me that you're no longer in the battle. Satan isn't worried about you anymore. That's so stupid. Wow. So, yeah, he says— we were redeemed and commissioned for the front lines. That's why praying to be kept from evil is such a vital part of the blessed life. Now, this is where it gets nuts to me because. So keep me from evil, but let me continue to be tempted. Right. Otherwise, I'm not being kept from evil. Right. Doesn't it? It makes Wait, no well, sense. And now, let me start. Let me start by saying I don't think anybody is not tempted. We all face temptation daily. So, I mean, I mean, it's just you're going to face temptation. Right. But to say. I'm actually doing all right at the moment. Like I'm able to to live my life right right now. I'm not perfect, but right now I'm actually doing okay. That should be a warning sign that I'm not being right. tempted worse or something. Well, and that's like, like I mean, like, and even, like I should go out and start putting myself in situa- situations to be tempted more. Well, but, it, but then <laughs> so, even like even like Jesus teaches us to ask God, you know, you know, lead us not into temptation. Like right. help us avoid to be away from temptation. Yeah. So like we're not supposed to actually believe that that prayer can come true. Like no. that's just weird to me. No, what we should actually be praying is lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil according to him. Right. Like it's, we're just, we're just reworking the, the Lord's uh, prayer there. Lead us into well, temptation, but deliver us from evil. What a genius mind. <laughs> Let me just round off this this part it's in the wake of the success of the prayer of Jabez several authors penned book length responses as you do and many of these sold in large numbers as you do that that's kind of how the Christian publishing industry works right the thing um, and probably every one of those books are probably like three four times longer than the actual <laughs> prayer of Jabez yeah um Derek Webb said that his song wedding dress was based on the book so he talks about being a gimper <laughs> um did you mark that Chuck Oh, I made jokes to you about it on our messenger. He says that it was kind of the inspiration behind this book, right? He wanted to be a gimper for God. Is that what he said? Gimper. He never returns to this, by the way. Um, I mean, it's it's like in the one chapter, but gimper is something he he says. It's something that uh, that performs more than it should. (laughs) Right. Which. okay. so. And his prayer was make me a gimper for God. Right. Yeah. Well, so a gimper, a gimper is an upholstery term. It's the person who um, does the finishing work on upholstery. So this this all started because he wanted to be a gimper for God. Basically, he wanted he wanted to be a gimper for God, which is like 
it's weird. <laughs> what are the, the book definitely would not have done as well if it was entitled like being a gimper for God. <laughs> uh, on the contrary, on the contrary, I, I, <laughs> I think we should put that to test. Um, it might, it might, it might, uh, it might attract a different kind of audience. <laughs> um, Wilkinson has since written a number of other books while none have approximated the success of the prayer of Jabez. Several have sold in significant numbers with Secrets of the Vine selling over several, 2 million copies. Several, several had, have sold in significant numbers yes. or in significant? They have sold in significant numbers. Sold in yes. significant <laughs> numbers. You're it's saying not, it, to, it sounds like you're saying they've sold insignificant numbers, like well, insignificant, I mean, not if, if it was insignificant, it would be sold in an insignificant number. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Carry on. I'm going to talk to Miss Torbett and she's going to come in. <laughs> and she's gonna, um, uh, with Secrets of the Vine selling over 2 million copies, A Life God Rewards selling over 1 million, and The Dream Giver selling over half a million. Uh, one interesting episode in Wilkinson's life. Okay. This is where it gets weird. Are you ready for this? It, it hasn't been weird yet. It, it Go gets, ahead. It, it gets weird. One interesting episode in Wilkins's life merits mention for the way it is so clearly contradicts his own teaching. In 2005 and 2006, both the Wall Street Journal and Christianity Today reported on a Wilkinson's broken dream for Africa. In 2002, at the heart of the success of the prayer of Jabez, Wilkinson traveled through Africa and later told Christianity Today, God ripped open our chest, took out our heart, dug a hole in Africa, put it in, covered it with soil, and said, now follow your heart and move down to Africa. Uh, that's not even the weird part, guys. Wilkinson soon launched Dream for Africa and announced that he was moving to Africa to, sa to save one million AIDS orphans. He would begin his work in the small nation of Swaziland. Uh, the first problem he determined to solve was the problem of hunger. Uh, Quote, because I don't come out of this arena of humanitarian aid, I had a fresh pair of eyes, he said. Soon, teams from America were traveling to Africa to plant vegetable gardens and yards across the nation. The next issue he would solve was the AIDS crisis. And for this reason, he dispatched teams of American Bible college students and African volunteers to every high school in Swaziland where they held abstinence seminars. Because that works. Yeah. Uh, this is early 2000s, so... Uh, in 2002, Wilkinson has granted an audience with King, uh, I can't, uh, Maswati. That sounds right. Maswati. King Maswati III, and soon thereafter announced the African Dream Village. This village would be what the Wall Street Journal termed a massive tourist orphan industrial complex. <laughs> can, can, hold on. I have to appreciate this. Tourist Orphan industrial complex. Yes, yes. The village would have homes for 10,000 orphans, with each one housing 20 children and an elderly Swazi couple to serve as parents and chaperones. The houses would have a $500 per week bed and breakfast suite for tourists, allowing wealthy Western tourists to combine vacation with charity. Um, how, how much do you want to bet that most of these kids were probably like child soldiers at one point? Uh, in Swaziland? I don't think so. You don't think so? No. I hope not. Uh, 50 such homes would form a mini village of 1,000 orphans built around a theme, such as Wild West Rodeos or Swazi Village Life. <laughs> Hold on. Swazi Village, <laughs> Swazi Village Life, I kind of get. Yeah. 
Wild West rodeos. Wild West rodeos. Little Swazi kids wearing cowboy hats. Is that what we're talking about here? Doing like child lasso soldier shows? rodeo. Like Annie, Annie Oakley. Like yeah, dude. Yeah. Orphans would. <laughs> Orphans would be trained as rodeo stars and safari guides in nearby <laughs> game reserves. Oh my gosh. Wilkinson recruited a native Swazi to help him head the project. Together, they located 32,000 acres of prime land. 32,000 acres. Jeez Louise. And asked the government to grant the organization a 99-year lease. Over several months, they pitched the idea to various government officials and received verbal commitments. Verbal commitments. Oh, great. You can tell where this is going. Uh, finally, Wilkinson provided a 34-page proposal and gave the Swazi government five days to approve it, threatening... <laughs> Threatening he would take his plan elsewhere if they did not grant immediate approval. Uh, for several months, he negotiated. That's, and, that's that's Christian. Yeah, totally. I mean, you don't remember forcing that part when Jesus issue. was like was like forcing land out of people. You don't remember that part in the Bible. You're a priest. I don't. Uh, Swazi <laughs> media was mocking his plan. Swazi citizens were outraged that he planned to take children away from their clans and villages, and the king showed that he had no genuine interest. But he was going to put them in the wild, wild west. <laughs> He's going to turn them into rodeo stars. What's wrong with that? Oh, my gosh. Was it, did, did I hear you say something about a golf course, too? Um, I think that was an idea, yeah. I think one of them was something about that, yeah. Um, in October, Wilkinson suddenly announced his resignation, saying, with the successful launch of Dream for Africa, my family and I feel our work in Africa is complete. Uh, an internal memo to his staff explained that, to his regret, God had told him to leave Africa and return to North Africa. Uh, the dream dwindled and died. And uh, the Wall Street Journal provides a sad epilogue. It says, this is the Wall Street Journal. Uh, word of Mr. Wilkinson's decision slowly reached Swaziland where it dismayed his followers. I don't know how to handle this, said Revi, or Rabbi, um, Reverend Zakes uh, Samalo. People will understand. To them, Bruce is everything, he added. How can he leave everything in the middle of the road? Asked 22-year-old uh, Gachina Muduli, who has taken a vow of sexual abstinence and now volunteers full-time in Mr. Wilkinson's school anti-AIDS program. Uh, Mr. Wilkinson says that he blames neither God nor man. He says he weeps when he thinks of his disappointed acolytes and is trying to come to grips with a miracle that didn't materialize despite his unceasing recitation of the Jabez prayer. So, rodeo didn't work out. Wait, what was the last line of that? Uh, Mr. Wilkinson says that he blames neither God nor man. He says he weeps when he thinks of his disappointed acolytes and is trying to come to grips with a miracle that didn't materialize despite his unceasing recitation of the Jabez prayer. That sentence right there. That he weeps for the miracle that didn't materialize, but despite his unceasing prayer, the Jabez, whatever. Yeah. Undoes his entire book. Oh, yeah. Completely. So, in other words, God said no to the prayer that he always says yes to. Well, no. So, here's so this is this is a good, like, coda, I think. And that is, he doesn't necessarily fully define blessedness in the book. Um, yeah, and now he, I was going to say that earlier to you, Chuck. He does not. He he talks a lot about blessing, but he does not define what what a blessing is. It's he like this kind of thing. Yeah, he kind of talks about it like it's you know sort of 
being satisfied in God or, you know, God using you, you know, you know, you submitting to God's perfect will for your life or, you know, whatever kind of vapid things we heard growing up. But like, so it, it, reading this is interesting because I just did a sermon this past Sunday on, um, um, I should say last Sunday, because by the time this airs, that would be a different Sunday. But anyway, I just recently did a sermon on the Beatitudes. And one of the things with the Beatitudes um, is that they're in the indicative mood in Greek, um, which means that one thing follows the other. So like when Jesus says, like, blessed are the peacemakers, right. he's not saying that, like, as you heard um, at the, the um, with um, Stephen Rodriguez's prayer at the inauguration, that if you're a peacemaker, God blesses you. Right. Um, what he's saying is, is that if you are a peacemaker, then that means you're blessed. So, like, that's the sign of your blessing is that you're a peacemaker. Okay. Your blessing is being a peacemaker. Now that's cool and that's great. You know, we think about the that. blessing isn't being a rodeo clown. Are they blessed? Is that <laughs> no? Okay. But so, but and, and we're on board with like blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the the pure in heart. You know, and all those kinds of things. Um, but Jesus also says, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who are persecuted. You know, so what he's saying is that mourning is a sign of blessing, persecution is a sign of blessing. And what Jesus is trying to get us is to, is to see these things in completely different terms, that blessedness isn't about being wealthy and powerful and all that kind of stuff, that there's a sort of a blessedness in everything. Um, and, and that's where things are kind of interesting, because in a way, you could say that Bruce Wilkinson's book is still true, that there is a blessedness in his failure. Mm-hmm. That God blessed that God blessed him through failure, um, but I don't. Th- but he doesn't sell the book that way. <laughs> no, not at all. But it. But it seems like maybe God's trying to teach him to accept the book this way because it, it. It makes me think of. Um, you sent me a uh, earlier today a sermon from Charles Spurgeon, C. H. Spurgeon, right. on on the prayer of Jabez from the eighteen hundreds, and there's that part toward the end that I shared with you back. Um, where he talks about this mother who had gone to her, 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 her Puritan minister and wanted him to pray for her son who was ill and near death. And the Puritan minister basically says, you know, if it's your will, let this kid live. And the mom's like, no, 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 no ifs or buts. Like, yeah. you have to pray for this kid to live. One way, the, apparently the kid ends up living and then he is, um, and she ends up like getting hospitalized because, um, of a fainting spell because he was hanged on gallows because he grew up becoming a felon. And that as, as, as Spurgeon says that, yes, it would have been tragic for her son to have died when she was, when he was a child, but it would have spared her from having to see this horrible aspect of his life come to fruition. And so this idea that, and so Spurgeon really like hammers this in a very different way than Wilkinson does in that, and I think is pretty consistent with what Jesus is saying is that there's a blessedness in everything, yeah. even when to us it doesn't feel like it. Right. And and but that doesn't but that doesn't sell ten million copies of a book necessarily. Yeah, I, I can't put that on a keychain, Chuck. Come on. Right. Bless right. me indeed. <laughs> right. Um yeah, and and it just oh man, it makes me really want us to do a whole episode on the prosperity gospel. <laughs> Because I think it's super important this day and age because, I mean, the prosperity gospel, you know, is like all is, is like deeply entrenched. Paula White oh, was yeah, the right. primary invocationist of the inauguration. And she is like 
like er prosperity gospel. Yeah. Matt Wells, your thoughts, please. How did you not find that part in Africa exciting? I was thrilled by the fact the that he wanted to sort of show. <laughs> little little swazi little swazi orphans riding horseback, bro. Yeah. Rodeo clowns. Eight seconds. <laughs> How about that AIDS <laughs> program? It's really working out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and you know, think about it, I mean, not not to get on the topic of AIDS in Africa, but you know, this was in early two thousands when he started that program. It's two thousand sixteen. I mean, it's 2017, actually. 2017. 2017. 2017. What are we? What are we in Dune? Good Lord, JP. Oh yeah. So yeah, not exactly helping out. I mean, I haven't checked on my AIDS statistics in Africa, but I feel like it's not doing that well. Well, it didn't happen. It closed down. Right. And he's right. struggling with the fact that God didn't answer that miracle despite his daily resuscitation of the prayer of. Yabez, as you like to say. <laughs> I'm sure he has something down the line, right? Like something will happen down the line. It just wasn't in Africa, right? Like, right? That's how this works. Yeah, I see. Here's the thing: is I kind of want to read the book that he wants to write after this. Like, I want to read the book that he writes like, toward the end of his life, where it's kinda like, like, actually, I was mad. this was wrong. Kind of like the guy who wrote "I Kiss Dating Goodbye." Yes, and Joshua then, Harris. And then he wrote the next book that was like about dating or something <laughs> like that. Basically, like I kiss dating goodbye. Now I kiss kissing dating goodbye goodbye. <laughs> can we? Can we do? Can we? Can we occasionally just repeat this kind of concept where we just sort of look at a Christian book? Yeah. Like I think it'd be fun to talk about like Blue Like Jazz or. Yeah, um, I think it'd be fun. I dude 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 dudes. Purpose driven life. Yeah. Yeah. We should totally talk about the purpose driven life. I think so too. Saddleback Ranch. Ooh, ooh. I just have it, it scares me. It scares me because people hold this book pretty. Uh, it's it's pretty important to a lot of people. A lot of men. Oh, you're gonna talk about Wild at Heart. <laughs> I never read it. I never read it. Did you read it, Matt? Yes. Did you hunt a squirrel? Huh? <laughs> I heard it was a thing. Like at PDA, like the guys were hunting squirrels. I don't remember I think... that. PBA is weird. Don't, <laughs> don't think anything uh, Chuck, happened at PBA I, was. If you're a new listener, PBA is our is our alma mater, Palm Beach Atlantic University, in West Palm Beach. It's an evangelical Christian college. And when we were there, there was like for men, there was like a hardcore like embracing of this book they're called big, Wild at Heart. Their big homecoming event was cockroach races. Like that's not that weird. That's like a lot of colleges anything do that. PBA does is normal. Though. Like it's not a. It's pretty it's, pretty standard youth group stuff. Yeah, it's all. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I think we struggle well to heart just because I've read it so many times and and one hundred percent earnest. <laughs> Dude, uh, I've never read it. That would be kind of fun to like read. Like talk about some stuff that was like like we've earnestly there's, read. See all yeah. these books though. There's there's parts of them that I I mean even this one. I'm sure if I read it, there's parts of them I actually would like. It's just all of them are so. Can I can I tell you the only part of this book so I bet you'll far, like? So far, so far, they they just go so far in one direction. Like, it's like they I, should just be tweeting instead of writing books. Yeah, like. Can I can I I I feel like we're winding down right? We're winding down here. Probably. JP? Please please tell yeah. me we're um, I'm falling asleep. Because I uh, can can I want to end on at least a positive note about the book. Okay. You know, we're not a negative podcast here. Not everything is bad. Um, I have to say, this book. I really, I, I will say, I did like, I did like his definition of miracles because he talks in the book that you know, if you pray this prayer, you're going to see miracles. And he says, 
To pray for larger borders is to ask for a miracle. It's that simple. A miracle is an intervention by God to make something happen that wouldn't normally happen. I like that. That's a good definition of miracles. It even goes it so again. far. Uh, it he says a miracle is an intervention by God to make something happen that wouldn't normally happen. Uh, and then he goes, do you believe miracles still happen? Many Christians I've met do not. I remind them that miracles don't have to break natural law to be a supernatural event. When Christ stilled the storm, he didn't set aside universal law. The storm would eventually have subsided on its own. Um, I like that. Yeah, I actually, I actually like that. Um, he he kind of corrected what I was getting ready to say in that next part that you read. Yeah, because it said that God makes it's him making something happen that wouldn't normally happen. I was going to say kind of, but then he went on and finished my thought is that God works inside natural law. Yeah. Like uh, turning water to wine. It's not that um, the miracle is not that water and, and wine. And the miracle is that he commands nature itself and skips all the steps required to to, to make those two things. You know what I mean? Yeah, because um, water becomes wine yeah to, it just takes a lot longer yeah probably. it's just like he he just bypasses the whole water and grapes soaking the water and then smash growing the grapes smashing the grape he bypasses all that and skips straight to the end but he works within his own mm-hmm. creation to show that he's in charge of all of it so i like i like that he, i do like his definition and that he took it a little further and yeah like i said i think noticing. there's some nuggets of things in here um nuggets within the nugget of a book no, I mean, this, thing, this thing's been around. I've heard. The reason I never read it is I heard so much about the stinking book that I had no interest in reading it. But there were things that I heard that I liked and agreed with. Mm-hmm. It's just where you get to them from that drives me nuts. Right. Like, it's like it's like when somebody pulls a verse out of context and they're using it horribly wrong. Yeah. But the message of their sermon is basically trusting God with your life. And it's like, see, I agree with your message. I agree with what you're saying. But how you're getting there through that verse makes me want to pound my head on a cement wall. Yeah, it makes me it makes me think of something that I hated in math when I was a kid growing up. I hate math for just for in general. But one of the things I especially hated in math was proofs. Right. Like I hated having to show my work. Right. Because it was like I always thought like if I get if I get there, why do I have to show my work? Well, now I kind of understand why you have to yeah, show now your work. With this, you're like, no, no, show us how you get there. Yeah, <laughs> like, because you realize that the process of how you get there affects the end result. Yeah. And and that little things that are off can compound over time. Um, and and then you have chaos theory. So <laughs> that that that's chaos theory. Um, <laughs> there was another thing that uh, you sent to me, Chuck, that you that you liked. Um Oh yeah, that um that it was only eighty pages. It was only eighty two pages. Um those are the longest eighty two pages I've ever read in my life. Um where is it? The he does have a little bit about about um here, I'll just pull it on the phone because I took eighty two post it notes with size twenty five font. <laughs> uh he says and this part I think was very interesting. Do we really understand how far the American dream is from God's dream for us? We're steeped in a culture that worships freedom, independence, personal rights, and the pursuit of pleasure. We respect people who sacrifice to get what they want, but to be a living sacrifice? To be crucified to self? That was interesting that he asked that question. He doesn't really answer it, but 
or how that has anything to do with the prayer of Jabez. Yeah, it, it actually does feel sort of like a little hangy. Yeah. And reminds me of well, something. You got to pat it with something. Like, no, I, I mean, guess, it's a yeah. good, I mean, it's a good, that's my problem though, is a lot of what you're reading, it's like, yeah, it's a great quote on miracles. Yeah, that's a great quote on, on the American dream and God. Yeah, that's a great quote on this, a great, but it's like he wrote an entire book of quotes and then was like, oh crap, it has to be about something, uh, random verse. Yeah. Well, I mean, he claimed, but the thing is he's been, he claims that he has been praying this every day for 30 years. Yeah. And all it did was cause his African dream of the wild, wild west to fall apart. <laughs> What's even the point? What's even the point? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, it's, I, I, I still, JP, just to get back to one of your early questions, I still have no idea how this became as popular as it did. Just, and like the fact that they're like, again, like, like I said, you can chalk off some of it as like gift book giving and like bulk buying and things like that. But the fact that there were people like in my own church growing up mm-hmm. who were like, like devout converts of this thing. Yeah. I, I really don't understand it. Like I really, I, I don't because like I read it and it's like, it's two verses and you've padded this thing and there's like all kinds of, like rando things going on in here. And it's like the Bible is such more rich and so much more rich and nuanced to like summarize it all in one verse. Mm-hmm. It's weird. I mean, that's like finding some random, random statement of Feanor's and saying that that's what the Lord of the Rings is all least, about. But at least use a verse that has nuance to it. Like it's... that has the, that has the depth like that verse. I'm, I'm not claiming there's any part of the Bible that doesn't have depth that you can get from it. Wait a second. But I am saying, but I am saying like, come on, this is 82 pages on that prayer that I'm, I'm blowing my mind here, guys. I just had a thought. Oh man. Here he goes. It's brief. It's innocuous. It could be easily repeated. Guys, was this the, was this a meme? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I think Richard Dawkins, who coined, the, who developed the concept of memetics and defi- and coined the phrase "meme," I think he would agree. It's Maybe. a meme. It's a meme. That's why it was so popular because memes just automatically become popular. You know, it, it's interesting because um, if because this came out in two thousand. If there had been Facebook at that time, this yeah. it would have just been a Facebook post. <laughs> that's, that's what I was thinking. Uh, this is a keyboard warrior rant, is what this is. It's, it's a it's a it's a Twitter timeline. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> can I can I say too though? I've made fun of how small this book is and how thin it is, and the reason being is I'm pretty sure that if you took mine and you formatted it exactly like his. His is actually longer than my book. <laughs> <laughs> I like my format better, but I have a lot more spaces on my Here, pages. let's Matt. Let's also let's you and I be real honest about this, and that part of our part of our rage and frustration with this is, is that, that his sold and ours don't. Well, he did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've written a book. I have yet to finish a well, book. Well, that's not true. I have my my thesis. That's just uh, because book, people but... like him got these things published, or why mine was never a possibility to get picked up and become anything because like he already wrote all the fluff <laughs> guys we should start mod squad publishing mod squad publishing <laughs> and then we're just gonna pick like random parts in the bible and write an entire book about it an entire <laughs> book about yeah, I, it i know we're, we've, we're gone away over time but i've got a it's fine i've got a i gotta share a little story i got 400 that, pages on jesus wept 
Nice. Shortest book in the King James Bible, or shortest verse in the King James Bible. <laughs> oh my gosh. What if there had been a Jabez movie? I bet oh. there's a movie. I guarantee there's a movie. There I'm has sure to be a movie. <laughs> if there's not, maybe we should make it. <laughs> Mod Studios. <laughs> prayer Jabez, the movie. And it's just, it's just Jabez standing in the field. He says his prayer, and it's it's done. That's the end of the movie. You know, and we Lord, make it it's two hours. Enlarge my territories. It's an hour and a half of an establishing shot. The, and no, then it's, the rest of it is just the making of it. It's like a, no, a making of documentary. That's it, I've got I've got it. It's artsy. It's daring. Are you ready for this? Okay. Close shot, close in on the face of Jabez praying the prayer. Yeah. For two and a half hours, the rest is the camera panning away, enlarging his territories. <laughs> Oh, that's end. funny. Oh, that's what got it is. It's kind of, yeah. It. Got it. And at the I end, did. at the end, Jabez like, wow, that's a lot of territory. <laughs> and then, no, so the final shot, it's as wide as it can be. Jabez is basically a dot on the screen. And then you see a little Swazi kid riding a horse. Like, <laughs> he's riding around stuff. barrels. He's <laughs> being chased by Rodeo Cloud. <laughs> Awful. So that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, check your local library for a prayer of Jabez or I don't know, like your local um, bargain bargain no, bin. <laughs> pull, pull out, pull out the couple quotes. The miracle one was good. I like it. Yeah, I like the miracle one. The other one. All right, so uh, join us again next week when we decide who is the true gimper of our podcast. <laughs> and whoever turns out to be that gimper, we'll, we'll give them a gimper suit, a gimper no. mask. Maybe a, a Gimper ball. No, no, I think we're no, going somewhere with this Gimper thing. I think we can make a book. I think you're right. I think we could do Gimper for God. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Thanks again for joining us. Have a great week and good journey. Good journey. Matt never I says got, good journey. I got, I got nothing after this one. Just <laughs> goodbye. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, can we give a, give a, give a, give a thank you to our uh, – another thank you to our article author that we've stolen. Yes, uh, Tim Challies at Challies.com. Thank you so much uh, for writing such a great article and for <laughs> – and, uh, you know, it's basically the basis of our, of our episode. So we appreciate you doing all the, all the work for us for free and i'm and i'm going ago. back into hiding for another month after this episode so carry on <laughs> can i also give a shout out to um to the 3m corporation for their handy tabs <laughs> i uh should have should have taken stock out in them before i bought these <laughs> i'd also like to give a shout out to adobe acrobat for making uh, tons of books available on, <laughs> illegally on the internet so that i too could read uh, a few pages of this book so <laughs> thanks for that matt is there uh, anyone you'd like to thank Moby, perhaps. I got nothing. I got nothing. I'd like to thank the Academy for making Halliburton for making pepper spray. Yeah, I'd like to thank the Academy, and I was talking about that Academy for pepper spraying me in the face last weekend. It was it was good times, guys. Good times. <laughs> thank you for joining us. Good journey. Good journey. Good journey. Are you happy? Yes. <laughs> Woo! Yes. All right. Yes. <laughs>